0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to today's episode of The Mindful Minute. I am so glad to be with you today. Today, I am sharing a conversation with Mara Branscombe. Mara is a mother, a writer, a yogi, an artist, a teacher, a mindfulness leader, a ceremonialist, and a spiritual coach. Mara is passionate about weaving the art of mindfulness, self-care, creativity, and mind-body practices into her life and her work. She's been leading community ceremonies since 2000. And some of you listeners will remember Mara. She was on the podcast about a year ago as she released her first book into the world, Ritual as Remedy. And today we're back again talking about her new book titled Sage Huntress Lover Queen. You guys, I am so excited to share this conversation with you. I received her book a few days ago. I have been devouring this book. I cannot put it down. It feels like something that I have been craving in my own life, and I bet you will feel the same way. This new book is about seven sacred feminine archetypes. So Mara and I talk a bit about what archetypes are. We identify the seven archetypes and talk about them both in their light and in their shadow. Mara talks a lot about her creative process in writing the book and bringing this book to life, as well as her own personal mourning practices. And we really go into why working with archetypes can help us open up or unlock the work the creative potential the truth that is waiting inside each of us at the end of today's conversation mara guides us through a short visualization from the book it's a huntress practice it feels really really powerful i am looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. I know you're going to enjoy it. You can find links to Mara, to her book, to everything we discuss in today's show notes. And without further ado, let's sit down and chat. Mara, I am so glad to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for chatting with me again. Thank you, Meryl, for having me. It is my pleasure. So um, as I was just saying before I hit record, I am holding in my hand a preview copy of your brand new second book soon to be brought into the world, Sage, Huntress, Lover, Queen. And I received it. Today is Monday. I received it on Friday. I have been hungrily devouring it page by page, loving everything. And I'm having a memory, I have to tell you, in our first conversation, your first book, Ritual is Remedy also beautiful. I feel like at the end of that conversation, after we had hit stop and we were saying thank you and goodbye, you said, my next book is in me. It's happening. I can't remember if you were writing it or the idea had landed, but I want to start, like, let's jump in. Where did the idea for this book come from? Why now?
1: How did this Mm -hmm. happen? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for asking that. And yes, in fact, when we had that conversation about uh, Ritual as remedy. This book was well underway, mm. almost in the works of being nearly complete. In fact, and as the book world goes, it's kind of like a year in advance. It's done, and then it gets edited for a year, and you know, it's it's quite a long process. So everything is done well before you actually see it on the <laughs> shelves. And this book, very interesting. You know, it's a very surprising book for me because. Um, what happened after I finished writing Rituals Remedy, I I missed the writing. I longed for um, the writing to continue. So I decided I gave myself, you know, I think I was leading a 30 days of soul work course with my community online. And my commitment was to write a poem a day. And, you know, by poem, I mean like a blessing or a prayer. You know, the poems I write aren't, you know, exactly, po- it's not exactly poetry. And so I wrote that and I thought, oh, by the end of it, I thought, oh, I think I'll produce a book of blessings. Mm -hmm. And then when I sat down and I looked at all the blessings, I realized something. I cut them all out. I printed them off, cut them up and put them in uh, all around me as I sat, you know, on the living room floor. And I started to see that there was codes that were coming through, particularly in the feminine archetypes. And I was well-versed in, you know, Maiden, mother, crone, I did a lot of um, amazing pagan Celtic inspired training in my in my early years, in my very early 20s, that always had this lasting imprint on me on the feminine and this deep embodiment of the feminine. And I, so I realized that I started to um, see all the archetypes that I then wrote about. And those poems, those blessings became the bones of the book. Mm. Oh, that is so
0: beautiful. I I can feel that. So the book is seven feminine archetypes. Let's give everybody a foundation here. What is
1: an archetype? (laughs) Yes, and okay, very good question. Because an archetype is not a stereotype. Mm -hmm. So we want to replace that stereotype and clear the mind of that and go. An archetype is like a code, a formula a pattern that is seen in consciousness that lives also in our unconscious. So it's both born and unborn, it's both expressed and unexpressed. And, you know, based on the work of Young and you know his archetypal patterns and codes, others were birthed into the world, other patterns, other, um, you know, then we when we went into the feminine, it was Dr. Jean Shibota who brought forward, you know, some of these feminine archetypes in a very empowered way and i have been studying that for some time and so the archetypes what they do is they they allow us to recognize in us what is either alive and cooking as i like to say um so that we can go out and do the work we're meant to do in this world or where our shadow lies and this is really mm-hmm. important because i mean i learned so much through writing this book and i i'm sure i had a great amount of healing that happened through writing this as I discovered my own shadows inside the archetypes or my resistance to them that's a really good one too if you if you have a resistance to a particular archetype you know generally that's where you kind of want to oh check it out be curious so why am I resisting the maiden why am I resisting the lover you know and then there's good material
0: for us to work with there There's such good material for us to work with. And so I have made it through Maiden, Mother, and Sage. I'm about to start the Huntress chapter. And it's really funny. So Maiden, I was like, well, I'm not a maiden anymore. So this one's not going to apply to me, which was obviously not true. So I'm reading through it. I'm like, oh, right. I see pieces. And this is what an archetype is. We see pieces of ourselves in all of them. Mm and there are of the 3 i can't speak to all of them but of the 3 of the sage is the one that is like landing home the most for me in this particular moment mm-hmm. and i see elements of mother i see elements of maiden that i will, i have just been making little notes of like pay attention to this thread here's mm-hmm. another one and i see how they're they weave together to create your experience in the moment right
1: exactly you know, and it's not developmental. So this is this is great to um, for folks to know is that we don't go sequentially through the archetypes. That you know, in fact, an an elder, um, a, a dear friend in her eighties, just recently told me she's like, "I'm really honoring the maiden. I'm I'm mm. inviting the maiden in," and to me, that's kind of like this full circle energy because the maiden holds, even though we think of her as this, you know, young, uh, youthful, you know juzh full of juzh and adventurous spirit in which they are the maiden is that it's also about remembering or returning to or inviting awakening in true source which i believe is very naive in a very clean pure way Mm. and it's almost as if you know as we age and we layer and we have life experience and we have you know certain traumas and challenges and joys and families to raise and careers to make that if we are not aware, we begin to armor, layer story after story, narrative after narrative, and that becomes then actually what we live. So this book is an invitation to unveil, to de-layer in order to return to that place of source energy within.
0: And you invite us to do that through There are several practices at the end of each chapter. I love them because it's not all the same. It's not like, now go do the meditation. There is a meditation, but there are like these little visualizations. One of the the ones I'm working with right now, it wasn't even designated a practice. It was like a one sentence that I was Mm. like, I'm going to do that. And there are creative practices. There's poetry to reflect upon. Tell us about how you brought some of these practices to life for the archetypes.
1: You know, like I mentioned, it started with the prayer poems that I had written, and then from there, I—it was such a creative process. I and I work with a writing coach, and, and her name is Susan Geyer, and she is incredible. And I want to, you know, just put forward right now that I—I I honor all, all the support we, that we get in our craft, in our creations, and so that you don't have to do it alone. And so, um, you know, she kept me accountable for structure, and that was really this is part of how the book was created. Was that I knew I wanted to have the poetry, I knew I wanted to have the practices, and I knew I needed to refine the nuances of each archetype, both in their in their power, mm-hmm. in their you know in their healing capacity, and in the healing in the shadow. So that gave me a quite a great roadmap, I would say, to work with. That was a structure that was very solid for me to then, it gave me a lot of permission to, because mm-hmm. I had the structure in place to then just write and write and write. And when you write every day, something starts to shift and then it becomes very surprising, in fact, what you write. And I write very early in the morning, you know, as I reflect back on this and I even look and, and I, I, I was quite surprised to actually receive the book. <laughs> <laughs> in the mail because i was like oh it, it it did come out it did come out just very strong for me this book came out very strong mm-hmm. and i had all the support around me i feel and i and i committed to it so that that's what came through
0: yeah i can feel that i really can thank you you know it's interesting i i have felt through the first half of the book a strong emphasis on creative acts as a tool of self-discovery or of uncovering those layers, as you mentioned. What is it, do you think, about, you know, I mean, you, you're you very clear in saying it's not like you have to be an artist and, like, go make masterpieces, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's the act of, as you said, committing to a practice. So what is it about creativity that uncovers us?
1: I believe it's spontaneity. If we can allow ourselves to be spontaneous – and to improvise in those creative acts. And I mean, that takes, that takes courage. I mean, it takes courage Mm -hmm. to cook a meal without a recipe for a dinner party, for example. (laughs) Um, It it takes, it takes courage to um, not be so busy Mm -hmm. and to be in, you know, to learn a new craft like weaving or um, pottery or sitting down with your your children and making beading jewelry over the summer or making friendship bracelets with them. Like all these things, what they do is they just allow us to pause in real time and we can move away from the mundane of our route and our to-do list and we can drop in and get really spacious. And once we start doing that, I think there's a lot, it's like the meditation. I'm sure you can kind of maybe make a parallel there, Meryl, Mm -hmm. with your meditation practice that once you commit to the act of it i mean it's so surprising what can happen and that is the liberation i believe in the in the creative process
0: yeah you know i think it's interesting because it's so easy to read to read your book and go oh okay i'm going to do this creative act or i'm going to sit down and start meditating and my expectation is now i'm going to have this amazing insight which gets so messy and complicated and hard and weighted. And yet when you show up, just as you said, with this sort of spontaneous, open, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna show up and see, all of a sudden we're hearing or seeing or feeling, having a response to the thing that it is we're doing.
1: Exactly, and that's unique to you. And that's your frequency. And so this is something I really want to bring forward for all of us. And what I invite in is that, you know, how, how do I be in my frequency? Because it's so easy to be in someone else's frequency or field. And by frequency, I mean, like what other people either believe in or act upon or what you think you should do because you were told to do that at some point in your life. And so there's a lot of healing that can come through this this is what I feel, and this is my direct experience. And that's, you know, the power of of our mindfulness practices is direct experience. And that is also the power of creativity. And I think that's really what came through because the ritual book came through really fast, not fast, it was an online course that I had taught for years, but I realized that ritual is so creative. So I wanted to speak. So I, I do feel that Sage Huntress Lover Queen in a way is a response to ritual as remedy.
0: Mm, I love that. You know, I we were speaking offline about my upcoming teacher training. As I was creating that training, one of the things that happened, so I had a small training, a weekend, like 20 hour little thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And somewhere along the way, I encountered the archetype of the weaver. And it didn't even take me. 30 seconds of finding the word weaver before I was like embodied physical response of that's what I'm doing. And the minute I named it, the minute I said to myself, this is who I am, a 40 hour training flew out of me without any thinking. And I I see that at the very end, you have a chapter about weaver and I'm like, I can't wait to get there. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I name that to say that my direct experience has been exactly what you are inviting in in this book is as we're able to see these original patterns in the universe within ourselves, it's like it unlocks what is already in there, right? We're ready. It's there. We just need to be open
1: enough to let it out. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be defined by anything from the past, necessarily, Mm. or the future. And that, I had a similar experience where I am an artist flew out of my mouth. I am an artist, you know, and I, I know I am. And I, you know, I was a practicing dance artist for years and raising children and, you know, I'm not dancing, you know, in that way. And that's totally fine, because this is also how the words are coming through now is that's part of my practice, my artistic practice is through the words. Allowing myself to say, I am an artist without having it to be, oh, I have to go produce some big work or I have to get back in the dance studio. Or, it was none of that. It was just this code that felt so good that my whole energy field, my whole frequency basically just said, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You are. You are an artist. What do you want to create? then I can write the books without holding back. So let's give people
0: a taste of some of the archetypes in the book. We talked about Maiden. Give us a little taste of
1: the mother archetype, both in balance and in shadow. So the mother archetype, and this was really important to me, is it's not about raising children. It can be. It's not about giving birth, because a lot of us are choosing to not have babies at this time. So it's really about mothering self. Mothering self in a way that is, Nourishing and nurturing and wholesome. And the shadow of the mother comes when, you know, there's what I would call the mother wound, or you may have, you know, have inherited a story of being either a victim or a martyr Mm -hmm. or a fear based thinker. You may have inherited that from your mother or your grandmother or your great grandmother or your father. I mean, we may inherit these things that are so important they're essential. They're crucial to our own joy. And so when we can address those stories and we want to look for it, like, for example, in the mother shadow, if you say certain things like I am always this, or I am never that, that's a really good indication that the mother shadow is knocking at your door, mm. rearing her head for you to go, okay, pause, breathe, drink a tall glass of water, awareness that's the narrative do I want to choose to buy to, to play that narrative out or am I can I pause and choose another path in this moment and the path being you know self-love self-forgiveness so all of this work isn't about being hard on yourself it's really about going do I want to feed that paradigm where is that paradigm from it probably has roots in patriarchy. It probably has roots in colonialism. It most likely has roots in, you know, this kind of potential, you know, ancestral collective trauma from the mm-hmm. past. So, so, you know what? I'm going to choose to liberate myself from that story. And I'm going to focus on one thing, similar as we do in, you know, the Nidra with the Sankalpa statement, an I am statement, mm-hmm. instead of being like, I'm always the one doing the work. I'm always the one doing everything. I am here. I am honoring me. So that's a little bit about the mother. I love it. I love it. Okay, sage. Sage is the elder wisdom. Sage works with the element of water. And the sage has the capacity to be in emotional clarity so that emotions don't you know, plow you over necessarily, but you're able to work with them just as if a grandmother was sitting before you and offering some sage counsel, some sage advice. And the the shadow of the sage can get a little bit tripped up in feeling isolated from society, feeling alone. And so working with that connection out into the world, and and I work a lot with nature in my practice um, as community Mm. also. So you have a lot of support. You don't always need physical human being support but support from nature, from the waters and the trees and and the earth. I wanted to mention,
0: I'm so glad you said
1: this. I loved that you
0: incorporated an element with each archetype, which I have not encountered in the way that you've done it. So it gave me this additional way to connect with an archetypal energy. So like mm-hmm. I said, maiden was one that I, that didn't immediately spring up as easy to connect to, yeah. but with our, arch- with the elemental energy, I was like, Oh, right. Well, I could, I could be here for a minute. Like I could explore yeah. it through this lens because maybe I wasn't able to connect as much through like a sense of playfulness right off the bat.
1: I love that. Thank you. And I'm I'm just looking at the book right now because also, you know, something that I actually haven't talked about much or nor have others yet is that there's a mythic connection to each archetype. So in Mm. the sage, I talk about the goddess Isis. So I bring in, and this was really um, fun for me, actually. It was really fun for me to write and to bring in a female archetype embodiment of either a goddess or a deity or a myth or a lore And from all different lineages. So, you know, I work with Gaia in, you know, Mother Earth, the the Greek goddess of Gaia in the Mother. And in the Sage, I work with Isis and bring forward that Egyptian code. And so it just, it was really, they were just coming, they were kind of coming all through as, as I was calling for it. And each archetype, it really did take a good couple of months to write each one, you know, I just went really deep. And what's so amazing is that I'm also teaching, you know, the yoga and the meditation, the breath work and the ceremony I, with the full and Newman ceremony I do each month. And so I was going through that as I was writing. So it was very immersive. Mm. And I want and also I want to really thank everyone in my community and in my in my world that were there to experiment with me on how this works. <laughs>
0: I love that. I love that it's it's such an alive process is what I'm hearing from you.
1: And I made it up as I went, you know. Uh, so as the creative process goes,
0: tell me a little bit. Uh, well, I want to. I don't want to get too off archetypes. I want to ask you about one more. But mm-hmm. real quick, let's talk real quick about the artwork. Mm-hmm. I love the artwork. You have this beautiful image that was created for each of the archetypes. Tell me about the art, wow. what you know about the artist or the experience of that artwork. I
1: would love to Thank hear. Thank you. You wouldn't believe her. She's just incredible. Laura Mowbray. Mm-hmm. Laura Mowbray is the artist and the cover designer of both books. And as you can see, she really took it to the next level in this book. She, mm-hmm. you know, I asked her if she could create um, you know, her, one of her illustrations, which is very sketchy, etchy, and it's very unique. It's it's all her, and she, you know, every time I got a new one that came into my inbox, I was like, wow, you know, another <laughs> wow. Like this is she's just right on track, and she's a spiritual woman, and she's also a teacher of yoga and meditation, and we just we connect in this way, and we have a really special new project coming forward. Um, so next year. Next year, I will speak to you on um, the the extra special project that she's been highly a part of um, through her visual work, in my words. Ooh, I cannot wait. I'm already <laughs> excited.
0: All right, so let me ask you, which of the seven archetypes in the book is most speaking to you at this moment in your
1: life? Good question. You know, usually I would say the mystic, or, you know, yesterday I might've said the mystic. And, you know, right now I'm actually really working with, as I birth this book into the world, I'm working with the weaver. Mm. I'm working with the weaver who came forward to seal in the sacredness really of this, of this work. And so that as I prepare for this birthing of this book to come into the world, that I can, that I can hold each archetype in a way in myself as equally alive, and so that I can um, allow that energy to stream out into the world, and and may may it serve. And so the the weaver lives like a a woven basket or um, a woven sphere, and the weaver lives inside each of us, I believe. And it, it came to me just through this writing process, and this is something I've been working with in my meditation process. For the last couple of years, very strong is bringing centric awareness. So moving the consciousness of the meditation and the energy of my consciousness to the center of my body, mm-hmm. as opposed to the mind or, you know, it just, it has just been directed there. And so then what I started to see and feel and come to know and recognize was that the weaver holds the energy that is equally holding all of the archetypes in a way that can be drawn out drawn back in so so it goes like that like it's it's reciprocal too so the archetype thing isn't you know like oh i'm just going to identify with that or or be that or you know it's like this equal listening to you know receiving and equal it's an exchange of Also being, you know, out in the world and in nature, and I'm just really coming to this right now as we speak, so thank you, which is, I can hold the weaver in me, or I can hold the sage, or the huntress, or the lover in me, and that energy can be, you know, shared out into my community, into nature, into how I'm raising my family, into my children, as much as I can receive guidance and support from you know our our compassionate guides that are around us all the time to have that be an exchange so it's not this or that but it's all and it's moving constantly there's momentum so in that it's also liberating we're not Mm. just one thing Mm. and tomorrow's a new day and today might have been a hard day and then i'm going to go to bed and i'm going to get rest and i'm going to welcome whatever you know is ready to come forward tomorrow and we always, you know, life, you know, you know, even it, in this way that I was raised in a very conservative environment, you know, this very linear, you do this, this like life is not linear. Life is a cycle. And how can I unlearn what I learned so that I can enter into the spiral, so I can enter into the weaver or so that I can enter into the lover and love deeper than I've ever loved before.
0: There's a sentence in the book I underlined. I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have the page open, but I I feel like what the sentence said, the gist of it at least, was what would happen if you viewed every day as a blessing versus a to-do list, I think is what you said, but I can't quite remember. That's what I just heard when you said that, that. I remember that sentence because I underlined it. I thought, what would happen if a monday with two summer camps and rain and dirty dishes in the sink and a mile long to do list what if i started today with the lens with the mindset of this is a blessing what a simple shift to open us and i felt that in a lot of the practices that you invited is these are not laborious I felt like I could pick any one of these this morning and do it in, I don't know, 10 minutes, some of them even less, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and start my day in a vibration that is much more what I want it to be versus the panic scroll it might
1: be otherwise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for expressing that. And that is, that's it. That's everything in our busy crazy life in this wildly distracted world we in which we live, it has been my experience, my direct experience, that if I can start my day that way with some act of either ritual, sitting, whatever you do, whether it's your morning run, but it's how you do it. It's not what you do, right? It's how you do it. And life can get so busy that the consciousness can you know, fly out the window um, at any given moment. And it is about the practice and the mindset, you know. And how do you find the ways in which nourishes your personal frequency at this time?
0: I'm going to say one more thing and then we'll we'll move on. But this whole time I have been having this little quiet laugh. I have a four-year-old daughter who is like... Uh. Little Miss, everything you know, she just came out her own person, so she's so fully herself. And right now, she is adamant that when she grows up, she will be a queen. And she's like, This, she just keeps saying it over and I'm gonna be a queen, I'm gonna be a queen, which I think is very funny yes. because, like, that's not a word we, we use around the house, it's not like we talk about queens. So, yes. I find it very funny that yes. she names us anyway. So this whole time I was like, you know, it's cute and I can laugh about it, but also I could weave in elements of that archetypal energy into the way that we play and what we talk about and let that actually be a truth, right? This is an archetypal pattern. Yes, Girl, be a queen.
1: (laughs) Name it. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the queen that I speak to in the book is nothing to do with a colonial queen. It's not the queen in her castle, you know, ruling over people. It really, the queen is about, you know, a nuanced, distinct, refined way of leadership Mm. and love on this planet. And so your daughter has that in her, I am sure she's going to be a leader. If she came out Little Miss Everything, then we have (laughs) to give Little Miss Everything, everything in, in her wholeness. And that's what this this energy is about. Is this, It's really about reclaiming wholeness and not coming from a place of lack or a definition. So that mm-hmm. is just a perfect example. And she may need a new crown that you make for her. And, you know, there's parts of this that, you know, we need to live out and she needs some leadership, you know, give her little jobs, little chores where she can feel that kind of sense that she's leading and she's guiding.
0: Oh. I love it. I'm so excited to bring this into our lives. That's just mm-hmm. the sweetest. All right. So I didn't ask in advance. I hope it's okay. Would you lead us in a little, pick something from the book and oh, yes. give us a little taste of something? It could be a visualization. It could be a journal prompt, whatever mm-hmm. you feel called to share today, but let's
1: give folks a taste. Oh, okay. Well, I just opened to the Huntress. I often, so I'm going to go with the Huntress because I I opened to that chapter, and I think there's something about this book that you can pick it up. It doesn't have to be sequential, so you can pick it up um, mm. at any time. And this is called um, this is page 139. A Huntress Visioning Practice: Embracing Authenticity, Activating Creativity. Light a candle sit in quiet contemplation or meditation. Practice letting go of expectations on the exhale and welcome in clear and renewed energy on the inhale. Visualize your embodied Huntress before you. She is here to remind you of your authenticity and core power. She dissolves defensiveness and reminds you to peel away the layers of control and toxic, egoic identities. She is the face of creative destruction. She has come with tools and resources to support your evolving huntress spirit. What tools, resources, sentiments, and actions does she offer you? Is there a word That will anchor you into your true self create a poem an affirmation or a sentence that includes your word and the tools provided this can be followed by daily practices that support you or projects and creations that the huntress in you is ready to activate and embody share your vision with a friend and place it on your vision board And so that's the, that's like calling the huntress forward. Yeah. And so. I love that. I can, mm
0: -hmm. I, I think that highlights so perfectly the, both the power and the simplicity of the practice, right? Just those few moments, giving yourself that chance to go inside and visualize and listen and then
1: create from that space. And you have that anchor to carry you forward. And that's what I've found over the years. And, maybe relate is it's sometimes these small little glimmers in the day that can really make a profound difference not only in our day but our lives not only in our own personal life but those who we choose to live with so how can I show up to be in my best self and you know what I I need these tools and practices like my morning ritual is, is non-negotiable. It, it is. I wake early to make that happen. And it doesn't have to be that long, but it is an anchor. It is a landing point. It is a touchstone to get me into real time and to listen, just to listen, see what wants to come forward. Would you share if you have time, will you share just
0: a little bit about what your morning looks like and yes, your morning practice?
1: for sure. so I, I like I said, I wake early and I have a candle standing by. You know, I, I set my uh, space up usually the night before. And it does change. You know, if I'm in different locations, um different places in the world, I'm traveling, i it's it's the one thing is that I wake and I have a comfortable seat. And I'm warm still. So I have my shawl. I don't go to my phone at all. I don't turn lights on. I light the candle. I sit. I listen. I tune into my breath. I bring my awareness to my center. And I imagine, you know, this center um, world that is a frequency that is going to not only support me, but a frequency that will be healing and um, listening all at once. So just a warm energy to the center of my body. And, you know, I may call forward a prayer and a blessing. Sometimes I circle my family in light. So I see all of them and I circle them in an energy of light. And this all can take like a second, right? Mm-hmm. And then I move into most recently, I have quite um, enjoyed my morning breaths of Kabbalah Bhatti. Followed Mm. by calm breath, followed by neti shodna. So fire breathing and followed by, you know, calming and then moving into alternate nostril breathing, which has been um, very clarifying for me. Mm. And so that that is it. Beautiful.
0: I love hearing and I'm guessing listeners love hearing. I love hearing how different people bring practice alive into their lives. You know, we all do it just to touch differently. There are pieces that speak to us and pieces that don't, and it shifts over time. so fun to hear about how other people practice. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And then often I just follow it with, um, I go for a spirit run, Mm -hmm. and I call it a spirit run in the forest with my dog, because I have a dog now that really needs to have exercise. And so the best way for us to do that is to go together and run it out first thing in the morning and, So I've been really also enjoying this, like, physical, like, the sweat and the getting my heart rate up. And, you know, I'm moving into my menopausal years. So I need also, you know, not only the quiet and the listening, but I need action Mm. also. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you want to share or talk about? Mm. Well, I always enjoy speaking with you. And I... I think you've covered so much and I, um, yeah, I invite Mm -hmm. listeners to really go deep into or open to even more a reminder of, you know, what the narrative is, what's the current narrative. Is it holding you back? Is it making you tired? And, and that kind of, that's the liftoff, right? So if we can track the narrative, we're already aware, we're already there. And so the remedy then is much easier if you're aware of some sort of limiting narrative that that lowers your frequency, that dims your light, that makes you more fatigued than you need to be. And and uh, yeah, so I would just really encourage the listeners and all of us to create honesty for that practice. This
0: book has been such a joy to devour. I cannot wait to finish it. I want to repeat something you said that I think is really important, which is that this does not feel like a book you have to read cover to cover, although that's what I'm doing because I'm obsessed. But it really does feel like you could bibliomancy all the way, Like pull this open to any page and let that be what you listen Mm. to that day. So I just... I love it. And I think that it will already be out in the world by the time this episode airs, but the link will be in the bio so you can either pre-order or order it if it's already out as of July 25th, correct? That, that's right. Awesome. To right. listeners, it will be in the show notes. Mara, it's such a joy. As always, I can't wait to talk to you next year about the next creative project. <laughs> I'll have it on my calendar. I'll be sure okay. to follow up.
1: Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Meryl. It's always a joy to be in space with you. And what I love is that you're, you have this amazing capacity to both listen and, and ask the most wonderful questions. Mm-hmm. So you're an amazing host. So thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the mindful minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others to find the show, and let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators out there. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muscogee land and is produced with the support of Michael Sayhouse and Brianna Nielsen. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit merylarnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.